This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, the podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we'll be talking with Paul Kramer, an international mass timber construction influencer and is the host of the Mass Timber Construction Podcast about mass timber construction. We'll be discussing the origin and global adoption rate of this new material, its connection to building 4.0, the benefits and differences in engineering and design considerations compared to the traditional forms of construction, and how people can get involved in this field. I'm your host, Matt Picardle. Let's jump into our conversation of the week. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do on a daily basis? So my name is Paul Kramer and I am a mass timber construction. I think the term they use is influencer, but it's certainly not the same as Instagram or using something that's related to stories. It's more related to research intensity. It's related to having a podcast myself about mass timber construction. It's about doing pragmatic things and establishing cross-laminated timber and glue-laminated timber plants around the world. And I guess the influence is about how do you spread or create this viral contagion for this thing called mass timber construction. For our audience that isn't too familiar with it, I know we have uh, engineers across the world that work on different types of building materials. Can you explain what mass timber construction is and even how it came about? It actually has some really interesting origins. So the common tale that's told is that 30 or 40 years ago in Europe, someone decided to put two pieces of timber together, sort of cross-link across the top. They're laid at right angles to each other and glue them together to make boards into very large format panels, sort of like plywood on steroids or if you have precast concrete, we're doing the same thing, but using timber and laminating or gluing boards together. So the story is that, you know, this was being done in Europe and, you know, in about 2007 or eight, there was a couple of notable buildings, which I'll speak about in the UK that sort of provided this genesis. The reality is there was a patent that goes back to 1923 in Tacoma in Washington state in the US for a product called composite timber. And it is remarkably similar to mass timber or cross-laminated timber, specifically one of the products. So it actually has its genesis origins, I think, in the US. And no one really did anything with it until about now. So it's been sitting dormant for 100 years. And now we have this amazing industry that's being built. But in its purest terms, I guess, where you would have wet, poor, reinforced concrete in a building, if you were to take all of that out and create pre 
fabricated panels of timber and then use very large screw connections. There's no need to form anything. There's no wet trades. There's no steel trades to reinforce the structure before you pour the concrete. You then build structures using this product. And it's really effective for what called mid-rise. I'd suggest probably up to, I think the, the highest we're going is 130, 140 metres and maybe 20, 30 storeys in a pure sense, but they're actually growing with hybrids. So concrete cores and cross-laminated timber or glue-laminated timber, all affectionately known as mass timber products, working in concert with existing structures to get higher, taller timber buildings. I've seen some pictures of of some buildings where you explain that concrete core option where they make the concrete core, but then when the rest of the building is made out of mass timber, the construction was just in a couple of days. It was, uh, and it took like uh, only a couple people to erect it. And it was uh, just like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. For me, that was one of the interesting benefits of mass timber. Can you go into more of the, the benefits of using mass timber besides that? So mass timber itself is not just the material of timber, which we used to use as a construction material. It used to be stone and timber and steel back in the day in the sort of industrialised revolution transformation back 100 years ago. And now we've got this renaissance of timber. And so one of the huge utilities of that, which is probably very pertinent since we had the Conference of Parties or COP26 in the UK, and then we've had COP27 in the Middle East, and we now talk about this thing called carbon. So timber sequesters carbon from the environment. We then harvest the trees from sustainably managed plantation sources. We create these boards, and then we create these building elements, and we put them into buildings And then what's really amazing is we can go back and regrow the tree, which means we can effectively regenerate the building. So it's a renewable resource. It stores carbon. And when you're looking at the carbon equation, it's not just about the embodied carbon, which is the amount of carbon to transform the tree into a product, but it actually stores carbon in it, which is unique to any other product that we use in a building sense globally. On top of that, there's health benefits for when you live inside a mass timber constructed building. It has extremely good um, air tightness and the air tightness is supporting something like passive house principles, which is about creating this internal humidified climate condition that's actually stable for a person to have low energy consumption to acclimatize the building to suitable habitation for people. Then you also have on top of that things like the prefabrication process. Mass timber itself, I think dimensional thickness compared to concrete is probably a little bit higher in terms of price because it's new. And when you put it product for product, it will be more expensive. But when you add back all of the time savings, as you mentioned, with you know seven people putting together a 10-story building in Melbourne uh, back in 2012 was the number of people required for that job. And compare that to wet, poor concrete, you actually got this huge differential in labour. Then when you add back the time you're not there with your crane, when you add back the site costs that you don't need to add compared to a traditional construction project, when you add all those preliminaries back, mass timber actually comes out in front. Now, the magnitude or the quantum of that could be 20% or it could be 5% to start off with until you know what you're doing. However, there's settled 
discussion that says you can get 20% savings over other construction approaches using mass timber as an approach. So there's some of the really great benefits of the product. There's a lot of companies, architects, clients looking for that sustainability aspect. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, mass timber is, is growing. Could you go into the growth of mass timber? Maybe its adoption rates in how it's progressing in North America and Australia and different parts of the world? It's probably if you add all of the cross-laminated timber production plants and all of the glue-laminated timber production plants, which pretty much constitute the largest proportion of manufacturing, and then you look at the amount of concrete that's produced per year and you do a comparison, mass timber as a construction sector is only 1.6% of the global production of concrete. So it's a very, very small niche part. In the US specifically, it's 1%. And that's because there's more plants coming online at the moment. There's more manufacturing happening. And equally in the US, there's still a lot of importation coming from Europe because the Europeans have actually been working on this for, as I said before, 30 or 40 years. So they know what they're doing. And the timber species is different, which means that the nature of the species of the timber they harvest has these special mechanical properties, which are different to that which is produced locally in the US or here in Australia. And so they can remain very competitive globally from a cost perspective, because you're looking at dimensional thickness of the material and its spanning capabilities. So it's stiffness, and you add a price to that per cubic meter for the timber, the equation actually works out quite well for the Europeans, no matter where they distribute the product globally. At least in California, there's new plants coming up or there was a rise in those timber plants because we weren't going too much into those, but definitely Europe. Yeah, it's, I'm sure they're importing all over the world now. It seems to be spiking up. That's interesting to hear. Yeah. So in Singapore, where there's a lot of uh, mass timber going on, you know, the majority of that is European. They've actually designed using the Euro code. And so therefore, anything that needs to go into Singapore needs to have the European technical assessment, which then harmonizes with the Euro code. So then you've got the design of the structure, mainly the superstructure, because that's what we're talking about. And then you've got that connected to testing. And then there's a verification of that testing on ground in Singapore using various laboratories. So the Europeans have certainly got a very good hold on how they can distribute product globally. And I wanted to talk about this building 4.0 concept and how mass timber construction uh, fits into it. Can you explain what the building 4.0 concept is and explain that a little bit? A building 4.0 is probably something that's a bit ethereal. It's not really got a form yet. It's amorphous or without definition, really. But loosely, it translates into the next part of building revolution where we add in a digital aspect. Specifically, I think it's BIM to start with. BIM really is this design tool and there's software like Revit, et cetera, that can be used to support a project. And there's the theory is that you keep going down in the level of detail or up in the level of detail, depending on which way you want to look at it, 
till the point where you get to construction. So you can work on this concept whereby you produce the building in a virtual space before you've actually built anything on site. Look at things like clash detection, bring all your services together and holistically design that building, even export elements to look at diaphragm analysis or structural loading analysis put all that back into the BIM and then all parties collaborate on this amazing digital project. The reality is it doesn't actually end up like that. And in terms of the work that I've been doing in Australia and around the world, we've transformed the term BIM from building information modeling to building information management. And that means that you don't necessarily have to use Revit or even Tecla or Global or have this interoperability between these programs to do analysis or design buildings, but you just need to have access to the information and the information coming together in a management portfolio then supports the way that you would actually construct or build the building. The ultimate part for building 4.0 is to get what's called digital fabrication. And that is to go from the architect's mind about the shape and form and place and space of the building and export a file through to the engineers. The engineers go to the fabricator and the manufacturing, I guess, program spits out these instructions for computer controlled machines to produce the building elements. And then it gets shipped to site and assembled. And that's a utopian view of what I think digital fabrication is, and it certainly doesn't work that way at the moment. That's the virtue of building 4.0. It's using different new analytics, machine learning, BIM, virtual reality, augmented reality in many different ways to try and bring a transformation to the way that we build. And it sits in that prefabrication process. So as I said before, mass timber is both a material and a process. And what ties those two processes together to get efficiencies is this concept called modern methods of construction with building 4.0 technology. That's the dream, right? Just press the print button. Everything comes together with no issues. But uh, as we all know, that's, that's what we strive for, but it's tough. But from what I've seen from some of the mass timber projects, mass timber does lend itself better to that just because it is manufactured and uh, I've even heard stories of where engineers, you know, they find all the openings already and they prefabricate those openings and it's already engineered and checked. And if everything goes well, you just piece it together like a puzzle and you don't get too many uh, RFIs or problems out in the field. It does happen. I actually have had a very large developer whom I won't name, actually design the floor plates for a, this was, I think, a 10-story building, and they needed to work out where the service risers were going to go. So they actually had the format of the panels, which we actually had shop drawn for them. So they had each individual panel. They had the model, and they said, right, we're going to put the service riser here because it needed to move because of fire or something else. And when they did that, they sent through a variation to the template that we were going to use to create these panels. And we cut the penetrations in the panel using the CNC machine. And then there was another request to put a piece of plywood over the top and highlight it with fluorescent yellow or pink or blue paint so that people would know that's the penetration. And also the cover was to protect from anyone putting their foot into the hole where the riser would go. And when it got to site, they looked straight up when they took all the cover plates off to actually fit out all the services and they could see straight through it was perfectly aligned. So you can get that ideal perfect alignment 
in you know a digital sense and then that does translate to the cnc machine i guess the challenge is how do we get the bim modeling that generally is governed by what the architect and the developer or the planning people need to presume for the overall totality of the building how do we get that collaboration right so you can just print you know the building and spit it out the other side as perfectly as that example i know that's a challenge that the whole entire industry is trying to do but uh Hopefully we'll figure it out. I know we're kind of slow to the technology adoption factor, but I think we're eventually getting there and we're seeing some of these projects that are coming together that wouldn't be possible or as efficient without that technology. From the engineering side, what does that look like for the structural engineer if they have a mass timber project? What does the engineering look like and the design process and how that differs from maybe concrete or steel? It is a different consideration, although there is some change and transformation happening with hybrid mass timber products. So let's go back to the genesis. So there's this theory that says that when you design a building, you start with the car park basement and you would look at the car park spacings and you look at your column placement and that would effectively create this grid for your building. And then that would go all the way up to the very top of the building and you would have transfer of load going all the way down to the foundation. So it makes pretty practical sense to have that alignment correct. In many mass timber buildings though, the basement car park can have a different grid spacing because they have a podium or a transfer deck, which actually sits at probably the first or second floor typically, but it can be higher. And they might put retail tenancy in the local floors on street level because that makes good money for renters to have a 7-Eleven or some other shop that sits in there. And then you effectively create a concrete podium and then you build your mass timber construction in a platform construction on top. The reality is that there's spanning limitations for traditional mass timber. You know, the dimensional thickness of concrete doesn't span the same for mass timber as it does for reinforced concrete. The shorter distances create this requirement that you need to work out how you're going to do your load transfers. That means that you'll have different grid spacings to what might be ideal. Certainly for open plan, it's a significant challenge. And some instances, people are using steel columns that are very, very small to create larger open spaces because, you know, in New York right now, the biggest trend is to have open plan living. Mass timber can't really do that. So we always say use the right material in the right place for the right job. And that's more true for mass timber than anything else I would suggest. And for any engineers out there thinking about the concept that's coming through from an architect, please design it in timber first. If it doesn't work, you can always go back and use every other material, mainly concrete and steel, to produce that building. And you can change the dimensions of that building if you wish, but you can't really easily transform a concrete or steel building with its larger span capabilities into a mass timber building because then you have to change the entire design of the building to suit the product. So the considerations really is about this project ethos. You also need to understand the material. There's load that you need to consider that sits on top of the entire building, the weight of the building, and how that compresses on the wood fibres. And you've got this thing called building shortening. You've also got to think about all your connections. You're not creating connections that have got this steel fabrication person coming along, creating these core systems or floor systems using formwork, putting it all together with steel and then pouring concrete on it. No, no, you've got to think about, you know, potentially one meter long 
fixings which go in a specific direction so they create this sort of friction for all the connection details when you're using say a an angle bracket or some sort of a wall plate system or a spline plate sort of joiner between wall or floor systems so there's a lot of things that i guess engineers need to know that is different to traditional construction and unfortunately we don't teach a lot of this in the schools in the universities and colleges around the world now that's changing so woodworks in north america have now got an open source guide for people on how to install mass timber buildings but they also offer people that can then work with any engineers or architects in the local market and they've got the region set up there's people in florida there's people up on the west coast and they can support you with a project to understand these nuances that i'm talking about and what i've just touched on is a very small fraction of the totality of what it means to work with mass timber the challenge is how do we get it into schools? How do we get it into colleges? How do we get it into engineering fraternities? How do we get it into general consensus and consciousness around what mass timber actually is and how to de design and build for it? It's part of the reason the podcast I do goes out every week. It's part of the reason I jump on programs like yours. It's part of the reason the research gets published. It's part of the reason we've got an academic journal that, that promotes this. It's part of the reason we've got over 30,000 followers on LinkedIn, all focused on mass timber. And it's really, really important that we spread the message, that we can support engineers globally to be able to understand how to use the product better and in the right way to you know promote this renewable building technology. I love how you're using the technology to promote it. Because I think nowadays, as you know, you know, getting online and, and getting the word out there where people are, which is on social media, on the internet, on podcasts. And hopefully that translates to more exposure to it. And then getting into the projects, seeing actual projects that are built into it. And then hopefully, you know, the schools can start adopting it because there's a demand for it. So hopefully that's the case. Because I know even just wood classes are scarce, and they're not as popular in terms of schooling as, as steel and concrete. But at least for me, it's one of the materials that I use on an almost daily basis. So it's I've always kind of wondered, how come we don't teach it more at our schools? And the reality is that in Europe, we actually do teach it. So in Europe, they actually have an apprenticeship that is attached to the engineering program where a person will actually go out on the tools and actually work with the materials, whether it be restoring something or working in with a manufacturer, etc. They use hammer and nails and understand the tactility of timber and the connection to timber. And so that, you know, I've employed several people in the organization who are modelers who create those 2D shop drawings and bring it into programs like um, CAD work and HSB CAD, which is a, a bolt-on to Revit. But you can use these programs indiscriminately. But if you don't understand what's happening with the timber, if you don't understand differential movement in material types or how the connections will work or what's required in how you would prop things, then you can get the design, the construction sequencing, the production of the panels, all of that can be such a fragile ecosystem. So having some connection to using timber as a material with your hands is a really important thing. Yeah, that's really cool. I haven't heard of the apprenticeship, but that seems like, yeah, one of the missing links in a, a new engineer's education, knowing how things are built. So that's that's pretty cool. 
Could you go into some of the more notable mass timber construction projects around the world? There's many. So at the top of the segment here, I, I mentioned there was a couple of projects that happened in the UK that really spawned the genesis for mass timber globally. And what actually happened was they were, first of all, they were in the UK and they were in a place called Hackney. And Hackney has a real social housing location. And we needed to have or developers in the area needed to have some sort of supports for the people. So these timber buildings were seen as a solution. They're a faster solution. They're being used in Europe. Timber's a beautiful material. And there was two notable buildings. So Bridport House, which is around about 2007 or eight, was done in Hackney. And there's a company called Urban who did that particular project. They put all the whole pieces together. And then Andrew Waugh, the very famous um, international architect for Mass Timber, they did another project called Stadhouse um, or Murray Grove. And so these two buildings stood as icons. And what actually happened from that was that Lendlease, who operate in the UK and Australia, at the same time as around about 2010, 2011, they then designed the Forte building, which is in Melbourne, which is a 10-storey Mass Timber building. And it was developed and delivered in 2012. Once then Lease developed that building outside of Australia and it got the accolades of being the world's tallest building because it actually towered over the two buildings in the UK, the race started. And then you had people wanting to try and one up on what was happening. So then this activated Europe and Europe started to get really, really competitive because they didn't want to lose this mantle. And then the Canadians jumped in too. Brock Commons, which was actually a concrete cores with steel outriggers and CLT floors and a prefabricated facade panels. And so the races just kept, and it's just kept going. And so it was actually, I think, these competitive juices for all these countries around the world that spawned it. So at the moment, Ascent in Milwaukee is the tallest residential tower in the world. Uh, got the accolade from the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat last year, 2022. And the largest volume of material is actually the Nanyang Technical University in Singapore, which has the largest volume of mass timber, which was done by local contractors and urban out of the UK, who coincidentally did the first one at Bridport House. And they effectively borrowed their or lent their expertise to the people locally. And a gentleman from New Zealand uh, named David Kingham was the project manager on the job. And he pretty much single-handedly pulled the whole building team together between the Eastern approach to building out of Singapore, the New Zealand Kiwi attitude of can do, the Swiss slash European design expertise of Urban and the importation of European materials. You couldn't get a more international collaboration on a project if you tried. And that building has just recently been completed. So now the tallest hybrid building is actually going to be built in Sydney, Australia. And it's um at for Atlassian, the software company. So Mike Cannon-Brooks and his partner have decided that they're going to build this quite conical shape exoskeleton out of steel. And then inside that, they're actually going to use a platform construction using column and uh, post and beam type approach for building another building inside this, this conical shape. And you can have a look at those LinkedIn feeds through, I guess, any association such as the Mass Timber Construction Journal or go straight to Atlassian's own website and you'll be able to see it. 
But that's going to be the tallest hybrid building using timber in the world very, very soon. I've been luckily able to see one of these uh, mass timber buildings. I believe it was uh, Microsoft was doing, I think, a CLT project. And I got to do a site tour. And yeah, it's different than, you know, just going into maybe a cold concrete structure when you're actually seeing the exposed wood and the scale of it, too. It, it, it does bring, a, I don't know, a warmer feeling or more livable, organic feeling, <laughs> whatever they call it. But it is a different uh, a feeling than a typical building. So yeah, definitely check those out. We'll see if we can pull some pictures and provide some links to those buildings. Yeah, it's exciting to see where it's going. For engineers that are trying to get into mass timber, do you have any advice or resources that they can go to to, to learn more about it, to get uh, into it? There's many associations around the world Woodworks is probably your biggest one in North America and Canada. So Americans love podcasts. So I'm presuming that's your largest population because it's my, certainly my largest population of consumers. Uh, so Woodworks definitely have a whole lot of resources that are available. There's actually an international mass timber conference coming up in Portland, Oregon at the end of March, March 27 to 30, I think it is. So if you're in the West Coast and you want to fly to Portland, Oregon, you can actually go and see the most renowned people from all over the world. So equipment manufacturers, engineers, people from sustainability consultants, education institutions, manufacturers of the product locally and as well as globally, they are all going to be in Portland, Oregon during that particular three-day event. So yeah, I would definitely get along to that. The World Conference for Timber Engineering is happening in Norway. So if you go to Norway in June, you'll be able to go to that. Early bird registrations finish on the 28th of February. So you might want to get in on that one quickly. And Norway is a beautiful place to go and visit. And that conference is amazing for anyone that's a, an aspiring engineering academic or a student who wants to go into practice. And of course, don't forget, many engineers end up going down either the design pathway or they go down the project management pathway. And so there's something in it for everybody at the International Mass Timber Conference in Portland. And if you're into design, definitely go to Oslo and you can get in touch with that. On top of all of that, there's a multitude of resources that are available. We still do not have a textbook for mass timber construction, which covers the whole gamut of how you would engineer or design in mass timber. But there are lots of standards around the world. And so you could go and go look at the Eurocode. The CLT handbook is actually out of Vancouver in Canada. So there's a North American handbook. It has a whole wealth of knowledge that within it on how you would design. And it provides really practical examples of how it differs from traditional material. But I just want to make a point Timber is not an isolated material. It has to work in concert with other materials. You don't have timber bracketry, for example. The connection systems still use steel spline plates, which sits inside the columns and potentially these freeform glulam structures. It is all together what I call construction. And unfortunately, we have to call it mass timber construction because it's a very small subset of this global construction sector and it needs to get its own sort of identity. But in reality, when you bring it all back down, it's actually just a better way to do construction in totality. So engineers should think it's not a specialization necessarily. It's a different material type. However, there is specialization in how you treat that material type. And the difference is actually the same as the difference between wet pour concrete using reinforced steel and using steel. 
I mean, there's differences between those two. So there's differences between timber as well. And I think if you look at it that way and think, how can I use the best material for the best job for the best outcome? And then let's just wrap that all back up to how we're going to support the Paris Accord or how we're going to hit our sustainability targets. Timber has this great carbon sequestration and carbon story, which says it's a reduced amount of carbon to produce it. It makes practical sense to use it where you can use it, even if it's just as floor plates or as wall systems. You might not want to use it for your your intermediate bearers systems and your joist systems and your framing systems and your bracing systems. That's okay. Use steel, use concrete. Timber is available for you to think about in using. That's what you said about, hey, the right material for the right construction, for the right goals for the building project. And that's one of the things about structural engineering. At some point, all of these materials come together and you have to know how they behave and what's best for the project, what's best for the client and uh, sustainability and their goals. What about any final career advice for structural engineers that maybe might want to work in mass timber? Yeah, it's always a question I get asked. I simply say this, if you want to do something different, if you want to stand out, if you want to be someone that has a resume that is different to all the other graduates in your university or college or degree or school, and you want to end up walking into an employer and making that significant difference, understanding timber, timber technology, mass timber, and how it fits into this building 4.0 digital ecosystem is going to make you look like a star when you're in front of an employer because you will be the one person that says something different. And I can guarantee you now there is not an organization in the world because of the back of COP26 and 27 where all governments around the world have all committed to reduction in emissions to meet specific targets. Every employer has got this sitting over their head. Every employer has got in the AAC community is thinking about sustainability and building. Mass Timber not only offers an engineering opportunity, it offers a global opportunity for sustainability, and you can have a part to play in that. And so to stand out, I would always tell the students I work with, master's level or coming out of honours year or even doctoral students, I say, you know, you now have the tools to be different to every other degree graduate that's going to ask for a job. And they get them because they've diversified. And unfortunately for us, (laughs) diversification is something that people look for. They look for this unique attribute in people. We can't take everybody, so they take the different one. So be the different person. I guess it's a little bit like the Lego movie. It's be the special, you know, believe in something different and be the special. And I think that's the best advice I could give any student that's currently sitting, listening to this, potentially studying for their calculus exam or doing something that they're going, where's this all headed? Think about the big picture. You know, this is not going to be a flash in the pan. There's 1.6% This year in growth for the uh, mass timber sector, it's growing 40% in each location year on year, compounding annual growth. So that'll be 3.2 and it's just going to continue to grow exponentially. And yeah, the best thing you do is invest in your future by investing in something different. Yeah, that's great advice. I know engineers, sometimes it's hard to stand out as a student because everyone takes the same classes. And so when you're going to an employer, you're kind of competing with everyone technical. 
especially since mass timber isn't a widely taught, if you take interest in that, I mean, you could be one of the eventual leaders in your company about this new growing material. So yeah, definitely great advice. It's a great marketing strategy for the new engineers out there. I think the key is that, you know, back in sort of 2010, when I looked at this technology coming on, and of course, I'd been involved in engineered timber products before that, LVL. Actually, it was from the West Coast of the US out of a company called Pacific Wood Tech. And we did some amazing things in Australia to promote that technology over solid wood sections for residential projects. And then we moved into commercial construction projects. And it was at that time, I marveled at how we could peel a log and create laminated veneer lumber, which is really thin lamellas, you know, three millimeters, and you make this dimensional product and it can be used as a lintel or a joist or even a column or whatever you want to do with this LVL. And then when I heard about mass timber and I said, wow, the potential. So I think the key is believe in something that you can see that ticks a lot of boxes for what the future might be in construction and get on that bandwagon. And it's not too late. It's only just been launched effectively you know one percent of the construction in the u.s at the moment is it's probably even a little bit less than that maybe it's an exaggeration is mass timber so get on it now because when it gets to 20 or 30 or 40 percent you're actually going to be the old school engineer that actually has been doing it for many years and that's a moniker you want because you're probably sitting at the top of the tree in some firm with a whole lot of graduates coming in and they're all going to tell you about mass timber and you're going to tell them no you're wrong no you're right you're right yep you're hired and that differential will go in time so i think definitely a really really good marketing strategy as you said yeah, thanks so much, Paul. How can our listeners uh, connect with you? I know you got a lot of knowledge to share. You got the podcast going up. So how can they connect with you? Yeah, so if you're a fan of the UFC, I got Bruce Buffer, who's the ring announcer, to actually do the introduction to my podcast. So the podcast is called the Mass Timber Construction Podcast with me. And it's on Spotify, Apple, etc. Spotify and Apple are the two main platforms people listen to. So there's that. The Mass Timber Construction Journal is an academic journal, which is at masstimberconstruction.com, and it is for people who want to publish research papers. We're very, very small. We're very fledgling. We probably are about 0.16 of the global journal market, but it, it will grow and it's very specialized. And then there's the LinkedIn feed, Mass Timber Construction Journal LinkedIn feed. So articles that don't make it into the academic journal make it into the social media channels. And we have, yeah, 20,000 plus followers and it's growing every week, month, day on those platforms. So they're the three ways. If not, put my details into the show notes and you can reach out and contact us. There's also the International Association for Mass Timber Construction, which was started about a year ago. It's uh, requiring some support and funding at a global level, but people are really busy doing their local things. So we'll just keep plodding along. You can contact us at uh, www.iamtc.org, iamtc.org. Thanks so much, Paul. We'll get those in the links in the description below as well. But yeah, thanks again for coming on and uh, talking more about Mass Timber. Thanks for having me. And thanks very much to listeners for considering Timber. It is a good choice. And uh, I hope that you do differentiate yourself in the marketplace and do reach out if you do need anything.
Hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 98, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.